How's it going? Okay, so if you're hearing this, you're probably like, what's going on? Why are you talking to me like this? Uh, well, so we, we, we went through a rebrand. We originally were, speaking of which, we're now Drunken Book Club. But I wanted to keep old episodes alive. So here are the episodes before the main update to Drunken Book Club. These are, you know, episodes that we did on a bunch of different books before we rebranded to Drunken Book Club. I keep referring to us as Drunken Book Club, but also reference speaking of which, which is the old podcast. So there we are. Also, our new socials for this are at DBC underscore pod for Twitter. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash Drunken Book Club. Definitely recommend checking it out. It's only a dollar a month, and you can tell us what books to read. All right, well, that's it. You guys enjoy the episode. Bye-bye. Have you ever thought to yourself, hey, these guys should talk about this book on Drunken Book Club? Or even, hey, I want to hear them gush about this on Rubles Rupees. Well, guess what? We'll listen to you if you pitch in a dollar on our Patreon. That's right, for one dollar, we'll listen to you. And along with that dollar, you know what else you get? You get access to all the bonus episodes that I put out every single week, including the backlogs, and early access to all our podcasts and videos, and everything else that I put up on there. So for a dollar, I think it's pretty much worth it, but you be the judge. Check it out. It's at patreon.com slash speaking of which. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to Drunken Book Club. I'm your pooch with a sweater, Christopher the Rupal, joined with... Your bad French accent, Poodle Sam. And hey, we're here to talk about the next Benicula book in the series, Halliday Inn, as chosen by our patron at uh, at Trey, Trey at Yurtosaurus. Dude, thank you for choosing this book. Not as good as Benicula one, but you know what? I'm happy reread it, nonetheless. I'm happy I reread it. Yeah. All right. So without further ado, we gotta start off as always by saying, you know, I have to say it. If you want to choose a book for Drunken Book Club. And, it, I mean, if it's, I mean, obviously, after reading Benicula, he said this one. Uh, we wanted to take a break, because we didn't want to be Benicula, 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 or anything like that. But I'm glad he chose it, because, hey, this was an interesting book. But if you want to be like him and choose a book for us to read, $1 a month at Patreon, patreon.com, slash speaking of which, hook it up, brother. $1, you get to choose a book we get to read. All right, back to the book now. What did we pre-game on, Sam? Sam, you want to go first on this? I pre-gamed on an orange EG with ice cream and a shot of vanilla vodka. Yummy. Dreamsicle. Yeah. And then now I'm having a campfire stout, and it's finally starting to t- taste like the actual like campfire stout. Because <laughs> for a while, was frozen. All, I could ta- no, all I could taste was the orange vanilla. Gotcha. And then it was just like, this is an orange vanilla. Alright, I started off the night by drinking a shot of Apple Whiskey Crown Royal. And I've... Okay, for this book, I wanted to make something called the Benicula. And I've made two recipes for it. And I'm leaning towards the second one being the correct one for me. So the first one I chose was a Strawberry Banana V8, uh, the Fruit Fusion one. It's like blood red. So I put that into a glass... I had a shot of just plain old vodka, and then a half shot of strawberry extract or flavoring to give it a little extra sweetener to it, and I had a li- like a half shot of apple whiskey as well to so add a little bit of flavor to it, and it comes out okay, but it's not it's it's a little strong on this on the uh, alcohol flavored side. 
But this other drink I made for the Benicula, which I'm calling the true Benicula drink, is you need two packets of Pacific Cooler Capri Sun cut open, poured into a cup. Then you add um, a shot, of, a full shot of vodka, then a half shot of grenadine, along with a half shot of cherry vodka, pour it into the cup. You got yourself the true Benicula. That's, yep. that right there is the Benicula. And it's like pinkish color. It's pinkish, which I think, you know, it, it works well. It's like, it, it's like after Benicula drink half a, half something, like he, he half drink a radish. Yeah. Mm. It's fucking delicious. I'm just going to say it up front. It's one of the best drinks. I call that one the true Benicula because it's sweet and delicious. I wanted something that was fruity and also vegetable-y. So, you know, normally this would be garnished with a carrot stick, but we have baby carrots and I'm not garnishing it with baby carrots. Because it would just be, like, in, floating in the drink. Yeah, because I didn't want to have to buy more carrots and have a ton of carrots that I have to eat, which I'm fine with. I love carrots. But still, we already have baby carrots to use. Yeah, I don't. I, I told Sam, don't buy any more carrots. Sounds like I could buy carrots. But yeah, this is supposed to be garnished with a carrot stick, but we didn't want it. Okay, so on... Oh, I gotta close up my, my Spotify as I was listening to that, waiting for the computer to come on. I'm trying to make me horny. What? Hell, <laughs> get out. <laughs> Fucking horn dog over here. No, you. If we're gonna talk about horny dogs, we'll get into it soon. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about this cover. This is a pretty boring cover. The one that we have is a boring cover. This is a 2000 reprinting, not the original cover, which the original cover is actually pretty good. Let me pull um, it because I don't remember what it is. So we have a lovely picture of Harold the dog and Chester the cat in the back of the family car looking at the audience as the car pulls up to an ominous looking manor. The words in the corner of the uh, in the corner of the book quote Dante's Divine Comedy, and uh, and it reads Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. Damn, that's hardcore right there. They going to hell, son. Cause yeah, it's just right there. I think that's pretty cool. So yeah. Did you find the did you find the original cover? Yes, cause it's the one with. Yep. Chester looking like fucking crazy. It's like a fat Chester too. He's all poofed up. Yeah, he's it's a poofed up Chester hissing at the audience. Well, Harold's kind of like, oh, jeez, Chester, don't be, don't be so scary. He looks scared though. He's hiding behind Chester. Yeah, no, I don't want it. It's okay, Chester. I think no I remember this print though. Oh yeah, that's the other one. I think, I think we got is... like the one in between. I'm not sure though, but no, I think this is the current print. Oh, this one. This okay. is the one that's at Target. Gotcha. So yeah, we have the most recent printing. Whereas I think that's the 2000s. Oh yeah, this is 2006 one. Yeah. So, never so that wasn't, I just looked at the back right there. Just the middle one wasn't the one I saw. I, I probably read the original. All right. So, Sam, what's your first initial impression? Before rereading this, that's right, Sam read this as a child. Yes. What did you think the plot was going to be in this book? So, I don't remember what happened. I remember they get dropped off, like, before I read this. I remember yeah. they get dropped you off. You also thought Manicula was in the story. Because I didn't, again, it's yeah, been... Yeah, it's fair. It's been, like, 16 years. That's more than 16 that. years... What do you get? Another year older and another year bit. Actually, I think it was like 18 years. But anyways. I like 16 tons. I know, but I'm trying to talk. I can't remember the words. But, so, I remember they get You're trying to talk? What's so hard about talking? There were gunshots outside our window, by the way. Not outside our window, but like, outside. And, um, I'm a little, I'm I'm trying to cope with it by making jokes. Because it's kind of terrifying some days. Yes. Sam, go ahead as I really stop interrupting. So, but I remember they get dropped off at the inn because... Yeah. 
and then Chester's freaking out about something because that's what he does. Yeah, that's 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 literally the the fucking books. And then Harold doesn't believe him, and then there's a puppy. The end. That's all you remember. As that's a kid? all I remembered as, from a kid. But what, what did you initially think? What were your first impressions upon not even rereading? Was that all you remember and all I you remember, care about? I remember really enjoying it. Yeah. And it got me to read the spinoff series that features Howie. Okay. Oh my god, I forget Howie does get his own series, doesn't he? Yeah. And oh my god. parents were like, "We're not buying all these." <laughs> Partially because they were like, it's one of those, like, you had to get them through Scholastic. Oh, wow. At least at the time. And I think also she didn't want me, my parents didn't want me reading them because they were, like, super short. Yeah, they were like, I mean, this one, this is probably the longest uh, Drunken Book Club book in, of the modern age. Because this sucker came out to, like, 196, I think, as I dropped the book. Which is, like, pretty long for one of the books we read. You know, we don't yeah. usually read anything above 150 pages. 160 normally. So this one was a bit of a chonker for us. Yeah. So I had two ideas for what will happen in this book. I thought it would either be a parody of The Shining by Stephen King or Psycho by Robert Bloch. Or Bloke. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, Chester will be super paranoid and Harold will be his cool, calm self. In the end, it was mostly Chester's imagination was my, is what I think of what was, was going to happen. Yeah, that was the same with me. I thought it was just going to be like all blown over and then in the end. Yeah. I remembered the puppy. That was the only thing I truly remembered. All right. Uh, so do you have any notes before we begin? So I like that they kept, so actually not really, because it's just kind of like going into the editor note kind of thing. Oh yeah, I was actually about to say we should read the editor's note. Okay. Did you want to read it? You can read it. Okay. Or, yeah, you read it. I had thought I'd heard the last of Harold, the writing dog, dog, when he delivered his book, Benicula, to my office some time ago. Much to my surprise, he suddenly appeared again one recent rainy Wednesday afternoon. The dreary weather had made the day useless for anything more than catching up on all those boring little chores one puts off for just such days, and drinking a lot of reheated coffee to cut the constant chill that sneaks in through the cracks in the windows. That sentence was too fucking long, dude. Uh, <laughs> good job being an editor there. When I heard scratching at my door, I thought it was probably a stray cat looking for a warm radiator and a saucer of milk. That alone, I reasoned, would provide some relief from the monotony of the day's non-events. You can well imagine my delight when I opened the door and saw Harold standing on the other side of the portal, his hair drenched and hanging from him like an unwrung mop while his teeth dangled a plastic bag. I asked him and examined the contents of the bag that he dropped at my feet. What I found was a manuscript of Harold's new book, together with this note. My dear colleague, I had planned to write again. Indeed, after my friend Chester read my first book, he accused me of writing without a literary license. I had settled into my comfortable life as a nice American middle-class dog with my nice American middle-class family, when strange events once again engulfed me. Naturally, after all the fur had blown, had flown and the dust had settled, I found compelled to write the story down. What resulted is the manuscript you now see before you. I do hope you will enjoy it, and, as before, find it worthy of your reader's attentions. Your humble servant, Harold X. I convinced Harold to stay long enough for a donut and a bowl of hot chocolate, murdering him so I could take credit for this story myself. <laughs> then, as suddenly as he appeared, he was gone, leaving behind him the pages of his story, 
which he has chosen to call Halliday Inn. Why did they... What is with them and keep giving Harold chocolate? Yeah, they give him... Like, even the editor gives him chocolate. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, why do they keep... Because, like, the donut, I'm like, maybe it's just, like, a regular, like, not chocolate. Yeah. And then they're like, and hot chocolate. I'm like... You don't gonna kill this dog. I'm like, this dog is somehow gonna fucking die by hot cho- by fucking chocolate. <laughs> but death by chocolate. Yeah, like literally. Yeah, death by chocolate. Yummy. Chapter one: The Departure. One summer afternoon, Harold is spending a lazy time outside chewing on one of Mr. Monroe's shoes when all of a sudden he hears Toby complaining to Mom. He's whining because they can't have Harold or can't take Harold and Chester with them on vacation. Because it'll be a road trip, and there would be nowhere for them to stay. And Harold gets carsick. Toby accepts defeat, and he and Harold have a moment. Toby is sad because Harold can't come along, and Harold just wants to know who will feed him during their week-long trip. I think that's valid. Toby says Benicula will be next door at Mr. Micklewhite's house, and Harold and Chester will be boarded. So, first note of the book for me. Surprise Benicula won't be here for the adventure, but kind of relieved because what is he going to do? Sit around and drain veggies all day? What is Benicula going to do during this whole thing? And you just, it just, pan, it just, just pan, no, like it's, it, no, it's no, during it the day he's just sleeping. No, it just pans over to the fucking grandma sound <laughs> from uh, Smiling Prince. So what's called? With the lolly. You want candy? No, oh, you should have a scrumptious piece of hard candy for the journey, Charlie. Here you go. Oh, no, thank you, Grandma. I'm, I'm fine. Thank you, though. More for me. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like just that. Just that, basically. <laughs> yeah. And that's and he's just in his cage the whole time. Yeah. Just... Harold is relieved, but had no idea what being boarded is, so he looks to Chester for what it is. Chester freaks at the idea of being boarded. He believes they're being locked up and will be fed moldy bread and rainwater. If they're lucky. Harold asks how Chester knows this, and Chester's response is that he's read a lot of Charles Dickens' work. <laughs> Which, I thought that was a pretty funny moment. So, I put so far, I feel like already he, um, Harold's a little dumber. Harold is dumber in this book. Like, we'll, we'll, you'll see where I put it in my notes. But, I was like, Chester checks out, though, if he... Yeah. It's gonna be like Charles Dickens, and we're not gonna... Yeah, it's gonna be like a Dickens story. I'm like, that checks out, though, because he... Yeah. yeah. Chester claims that they'll need to watch their backs in a place like that. Harold leaves strange Chester alone and then encounters Mr. Monroe. Uh, Mr. Monroe says they'll be going to a nice pet hotel called the Chateau Bow Wow. Or would it be Bow Wow? You know, the rhyme with Chateau. Or Chateau Bow Wow. I like Chateau Bow Wow. Chateau Bow Wow. Harold is still reluctant to go, but gets in the back of the station wagon with his favorite snack... A chocolate cupcake. Seriously, stop feeding him these. He's going to fucking die. So I know, like, on one hand, it's not as dangerous because he's a big dog. And, like, yeah. it, I'm thinking it's, it's still probably... bad for his health in the long run. No, I'm not saying it's good for him. They should feed it. They should stop giving him fucking chocolate. Yeah. But I will say at least they're giving it to a big dog. <laughs> like, Man, he's going to fucking get sick. I remember, did I ever tell you about Yes, how... we've heard this story a million times, okay. Sam. We heard it in the last Manicula episode where you, where Rusty got into the chocolate cookies. And Scooter. And Scooter. Those fat fucking dogs. They weren't that fat, actually. I always I imagined them being fat. Scooter was just literally big. Like, she was, like, huge. Chester, on the other hand, tries hiding, but is caught by the boys and forced into... Excuse me. And forced into his pet carrier. The universal struggle oh, excuse me. of getting a cat into a carrier. Yep. Which is charmingly illustrated. They head off to their vacation destination. Chapter 2. Welcome to Halliday Inn. 
They pull up to Bow Bow Wow, which Harold has a bad gut feeling about the location since it's placed upon a spooky hill. We are introduced to who is running the place, Dr. Greenbrier, who is actually leaving for, vaca for vacation himself. In his stead are two college-aged people named Harrison, who looks like a slacker, and Jill, who seems like a ditz. The Monroes leave and the pets are led to their bungalows, which is a nice way of saying cages. The picture in this chapter has Harold with emo hair from 2006 looking sadly at the reader while being led through a wooden gate by a shaggy man. Honestly, he looks more like a like a younger teenager than a college kid in that picture. He does. But, I mean, he's clearly college age, though. Yeah. Harold seems to like his bungalow as it has a few rubber bones and a nice food bowl in it with a funny saying in it. But Chester is disgusted by the hanging mouse toy that looks old and well used and hates what his food dish says. Tuna delight, kitty's delight. Tuna tonight, kitty's delight. Oh yeah, sorry, fuck it. My notes were bad. Across from them is a bulldog with a white turtleneck sweater named Max, and a French poodle named Luis, who are arguing. Luis is mad at an unseen speaker named Georgette, and claims Max is her man and that she don't can't speak to him. Damn. Suddenly, from Chester's cage, a cat comes crashing on his door, begging for help and escaping as they can't take it anymore. It then jumps toward Harold, and the both of them are surprised at one another. Lyle is the cat's name, and Harold describes the cat as looking like a patchwork quilt. We know those cats. Yeah. Lyle tries to recruit Harold into escaping with him on Tuesday, but Harold doesn't want to. Then, Jill and Harrison arrive with dinner, and Lyle runs away, but is caught. Harrison and Jill talk while serving the animals, and she asks what he plans on doing with his life, and he says he's going to retire at 21, but doesn't know how. Spoiler. Harold comments that the food is nicely served with a sprig of parsley. That night, Harold is excited about meeting everyone else at Chateau Bow Wow. But suddenly, howls are heard outside, or within the walls, actually, Chester says it's a werewolf, but Harold doesn't believe him. Chester ends the chapter by saying, Welcome to Holiday Inn. Ah, he said it! He said it! Chapter C, An Uneasy Calm. The next morning, Harold is awoken by the sound of rain hitting the roof above him. He then notices a sad excuse for breakfast, a great rule that he still gobbles down. I mean, he's a dog, like... Yeah. He tries talking to Chester, but he's a grumpy cat, and they both go back to sleep. Harold is awoken again, but the rain has stopped, and Jill and Harrison are freeing the animals for exercise time. Harrison is ready to do work, while Jill complains that now all he wants to do is work now, when yesterday all he wanted to do was lay around reading comic books. It's the mess. He just got into it, finally. He just wants to work now. I know that feeling. He also comments that they need to clean the back shed, which is a pain to clean because it's not easily accessible. The animals are let out, and Harold comments that Max looks like a football coach, and Chester says he'll scream if if he says something athletic. Max, Max asks if they want to jog with him, and Chester screeches like I do at telemarketers and leaves. <laughs> that was such a great thing, though. Like, he's like, I'm going to scream, and I'm like, is he actually? And then they want to go jog, and I just imagine him going, Who wants a new Wii? <laughs> Ah! Just scream! I just imagine a human like watching that of a cat all of a sudden just screaming, yeah. and then walking. <laughs> Max explains that the cages are easy. To oh wait, no, hold up. Uh, Harold doesn't want to jog, but Max pers is persistent, and he joins him. 
Max explains that the cages are easy to get out of to Harold, which is just something for later. Max then calls to another dog named Taxi. That is a weird-looking mutt in the words of Harold and Max. Max says Taxi is kind of slow and is clingy to him. When introduced to Harold, Taxi barely acknowledges Harold. They head to the water area and Taxi finally says hello to him. Taxi asks if Max is okay after the fight with Georgette last night and Max says he's fine. Uh, the picture on this chapter is an emo Harold, a butch bulldog, and a weird mutt in the foreground, while a poodle in the background is giving the death stare. Uh, Max then says that his life would be better off without women. Taxi says he remembers someone on TV said the same thing and then killed his wife. They go silent. Then they talk up more and Georgette appears and it's about obvious Max has a red rocket for her. And Luis doesn't care for her and calls her uh, Hester Prynne of the Scarlet Letter. You know, the story all kids love along with the divine comedy that they reference. Also, the dog misogyny. Because at one point when he says, like, the... Yeah, they killed... he. What happened after he said that? He killed her. And then the and then there's, like, the silence. And then Max is like, that's one way to take care of a woman. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, dog misogyny. I mean, they're dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Luis yells at Max some more and then trots off. But suddenly... Lyle pounces on her back, rambling nonsense, and not getting off upon being requested to. She yells at him for being a nuisance, and he get and he gets off of her and tells her that he doesn't like being yelled at and won't be yelled at. Who's going to kill this poor poodle, or is she going to go missing and be presumed dead? <laughs> Chapter 4. Did you put that in before or after? You that, that is before. <laughs> that is, whenever my notes are right there between chapters, they are before I know anything. Chapter 4. The storm gathers. Luis breaks into a barking storm that gets the humans' attention and they get her to stop. The humans leave after a pointless moment of them fighting. Max and Georgette wander off together and their heads are close together. Taxi is watching them close, but, uh, close by but leaves them. Harold is left alone and with it starting to spit rain again, he heads for his bungalow hoping that Chester will be there to talk with. Along the way, he trips over two identical-looking wiener dogs named Howard and Heather. And I put a note here saying, Woo! Creepy twins! <laughs> also, there's a picture of Harold Tumble over looking at the two wiener dogs. With his posterior in the air, it looks like he's ready to receive some wieners. Uh, they apologize for being in Harold's way. And before they're off, they also apologize for the ghastly noises last night. Harold heads into the bungalows and tells Chester about the wiener dogs he just met and how they were the ones howling all night. Chester says he knew about them already and thinks they're the werewolves. Harold doesn't believe they're werewolves, and Chester is like, Bitch, don't you remember Benicula? <laughs> Chester says to keep an eye on those two, but Harold thinks they should keep an eye on Lyle. But Chester says they should keep an eye on everyone, because they're quite the cast of characters straight off an Agatha Christie book. Do you, I'm just curious, like, with do you have specific voices in your head for different characters? Uh, yeah, a little, yeah. Like, what do you have for, what do you have for, like, the book? I will, I will reveal all these at the end. Okay. Because I'm in the middle of a chapter. Uh, okay, if I had to do one for Max, it'd be like, Oh, good job, show, good job. Like a, like a British kind of voice, but like, good job, or good job. Very jolly. Very jolly, oh, good job, like that. Yeah. Kind of thing, yeah. Is that the only one you wanted to know? Uh, what about, what about Luis? Luis? Oh, French accent. I kind of had, like, specifically not just any French accent, but fucking, um, Anthony Birch from Fetch Quest. Oh, God. Of course it Beignet. would be. Just racist stuff. Yes. 
Yes, racist dog. Uh, you know, made me lose my fucking spot there. Uh, bu -bu -bu -bu. They then take a nap in Harold's bungalow. They rest peacefully until a crash of thunder suddenly awakens them both. Max and Taxi are in the middle of the compound barking and complaining about how they're late with dinner tonight. The two humans crash... Uh, sorry. The two humans come crashing through the door, rain pouring in with them. They're apologetic to the animals for being late, and through conversations heard between them, they're busy cleaning the office and lost track of time. Harold is happily fed, but we end the chapter with an ominous note. Let's read the last two, two paragraphs on page 76, Sam. I can do it. Later that night, I tried to sleep, but the raging storm and the determined howling of Howard and Heather kept startling me awake. And then I started thinking about what Chester had said earlier. What were his exact words? Something about an undercurrent of tension that would one day erupt with a terrible force? What could he mean? I wondered. Little did I imagine then, tossing and turning in my sleep, that the terrible eruption Chester had predicted had already occurred. dun -na -na. Chapter 5. She's gone. The next morning, Harold is awoken by Harrison crying out, Oh no! Luis was missing from her bungalow. Harold gives Max an accusatory look, but he looks just as surprised as everyone else. Harrison and Jill then notice that the gate was open and left unlocked last night. Jill, ex Jill exclaims it was her fault because she was in such a hurry she forgot to lock it up. The humans plan on searching for her after breakfast. After breakfast, the animals are left out early for exercise. Harold and Chester talk about the case. Harold thinks that Louise ran away to teach a Max a lesson. But Chester questions this because Max's cage was also open this morning. Before Chester can go on, Max is making a scene in the middle of the yard and clamors about wanting to be left alone as Texi tries to tell him something and Georgette tries to hussy her way into his turtleneck. Also, I just realized the idea of Max's cage being open, that that's a fucking left, that's like forgotten about plot. Yeah. Like, that's a, that's a freaking plot hole right there. Because they don't bring it back up at all. Yeah. I just realized that. Also, Harold was slut-shaming. Yes, he was. Calling like, her a hussy. Well, and I'm like, yeah, she's the other girl and she's flirting with him. But Max was also doing the, like, who thinks who. No, he wasn't. Yeah, he oh, literally Mac, Oh, yeah, Max. Sorry, Max. I thought you said Harold. No, Max I'm was. tired. Don't listen to me. Get out of here. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Good. She finally fucking left. Uh, where did I leave off, Sam? You left off right here. Ah, thanks, Sam. You're the best. Chester wishes to investigate and looks for clues to the case. They run into the Dachshund couple. Dot dot dot. Twins? Dot dot dot. Doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> Chester leads Harold to Louise's bungalow and Harold hopes she comes back soon. But Chester thinks she won't because she's been <gasps> murdered? <laughs> Chester says he's found a clue in Louise's cage. Cage. <laughs> I'm drunk. But all Harold sees is a crumpled up rug, a partially filled food dish, and a water bowl with water lying around it. Lyle comes in for a random moment of quoting Superman, and Chester comments that Cat is a disgrace to the species before leaving for outside. I just had to put that down. It was fucking pointless. Chester suspects foul play, and he thinks someone pushed her head into the water, causing her to struggle and, leave the and leaving the mess. Harold doesn't believe it. He starts listing all the suspects and their motives. So, Max the forlorn lover, Georgette the bitch that wants her man, Lyle the unhinged cat, Heather and Howard, werewolves, Harrison and Jill, 
two sus employees, and finally, Jealous Taxi, who wanted to be the center of Max's world. They also mentioned poison. I'm, I'm getting there. Oh, sorry. Chester doesn't think Taxi is strong enough to hold Luis's head underwater for that long, but thinks he could have poisoned her. Thank you very much, Sam. One sentence. That's all you had to wait. I, I don't know, okay? I'm fucking crying here. My eye won't stop tearing. Harold is jolted up by this, and he tells Chester about how yesterday Max said he was tired of women, and that Taxi talked about seeing a TV program where a husband killed his wife with... <gasps> poison? They look over to where Taxi was, and he's now sitting close to them, and he heard it all. He just growls at them and walks away, leaving Harold and Chester shivers down their spines. So, honest question time. Did you think this book was about murder before picking it up? No. And my other thought is, honestly, I, like, I was reading and I'm like, I don't think it would be, I don't think they would have murdered for two reasons. Hmm. One, it's hard for a dog to clean up after a dead body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Two, poison can be very messy in the sake of this that. This is like, Nicola, a book, a book series about a fucking vampire bat, and I, I'm just saying that, like, like there's vomit. So my, my idea was, I thought there would be murder, but not in the Agatha Christie murder mystery way. <laughs> and other question, who did you think was the murderer, quote-unquote, at this point? I was going to go with probably, like, I was thinking it'd be something with the owners, like the Jill or Harrison, but I wasn't sure of motive. So mine was, I still think she ran away. I honestly thought she ran away for almost the whole book and up until the end. That's honestly what I was thinking also. Like, it was one of those two things of, like, either, yeah. either like, one of the owners did something or she ran away. You mean workers. Yeah, workers. Not owners. It's Dr. Greenbrier. Yeah. Chapter 6, The Cat Who Knew Too Much. It begins to rain and everyone runs for shelter. Except for Chester and Harold. Chester thinks, is, thinks this is the perfect time to investigate. Chester and Harold go onto the roof of the building and try to eavesdrop on Max and Georgette. But the roof gets too slippery and they both fall and blow their cover. They leave their presence and head to Chester's bungalow to discuss any findings. Chester heard that they're planning to escape together. Even with this evidence, Chester doesn't think they're the guilty party. There's still a clue that they're missing. How did they get the body out without Chester noticing last night when the dachshunds were howling up a storm? Chester then says he's got, he's got it. Before he can explain, Max, Georgette, Taxi, and Lyle come over to Chester's bungalow to ask why they think Lois was murdered. Lois? Uh, Chester explains he just knows and will have all the evidence soon. They leave the pair not, not believing a word of Chester's. Night comes and the chapter ends ominously with these words read on page 112. He was lost in thought for the rest of the day. In fact, the only time he spoke to me again was shortly before dinner. Just one word of warning, he said. Keep awake tonight. The murderer may strike again. Remember, do not sleep. If you do, you may never wake again. How it chills me to recall those words, particularly when I think of them as Chester's last. Oh, chapter 7. Good night, sweet Chester. The next morning, Jill is in tears and Harold asks Chester what's wrong with her, but he gets no answer. When Jill is gone, Harold sneaks out of his cage and checks on Chester's, but Chester isn't there, and there's nothing in the cage but the hanging mouse. Harold is saddened by this. He decides to snoop on Jill and Harrison to see if he can find something out. They reveal that that poison somehow got into Chester's food bowl, and now he's gone. Jill takes the rest of the day off, and Harold goes to his bungalow to take a deep, sad sleep. Chapter 8 Harold X, Private Eye. Like, 
so real quick. Yes. Like, I was like, damn, that's some good suspense, because I was like... I didn't honestly believe he was dead. Well, like, I knew he wasn't dead, because yeah. I've read the book, and I've read the <laughs> fucking yeah. spinoff series, or some of the spinoff series. Yeah. So I knew he wasn't dead, but it was still like, I was still like, oh, damn. Yeah. Like, I was like, I don't remember the... I don't remember this bit. It's a good, it was a good twist, honestly. Yeah. So chapter eight, Harold X, Private Eye. Harold is awoken by the other pets frolicking and having a good time. He wants to play with them, but the death of Chester makes him not want to because one of them murdered Chester. Harrison lets Harold out to play before dinner. Harold decides he's going to continue Chester's investigation. He starts with Taxi and they have a vaudeville routine and then Taxi explains the sad story of his name. Uh, I'm going to read this part. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do Taxi's voice, if you don't mind. Okay. Well, you see, I was owned by these people in New York City who thought that when they took me out for a walk, it'd be cute to call Taxi. People who live in New York City think things like that are cute. It's the air pollution that does it to them, I think. Anyway, for a long time, whenever they call Taxi, I thought they were really calling a Taxi. So I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't come. And the taxi drivers thought they were calling a taxi, too, so they'd pull up. So all the time, they were getting all these taxis they didn't want, and taxi drivers were getting mad at them. And meanwhile, I was wandering off down the street, because I didn't know they were calling me. Oh, what happened? I asked. Oh, eventually I figured out taxi was my name, but by then I think they'd gotten bored with the whole thing. They bought roller skates and gave me to their cousin who lives in... In town here. Air pollution is a terrible thing, I commented. So It's so sad that they just basically got bored and just... Uh-huh, and fucking got rid of their dog. Yeah. Getting back on track, he then asked Taxi of his whereabouts last night. And Taxi tells him in his bungalow, and this goes nowhere. He then tries interrogating the dachshunds, and nothing comes of this. Georgia and Max then approach Harold, but before he can cross-examine them, the dinner bell rings and they have supper. Okay, so here's my note. Did he make Harold more stupid? He wasn't this stub in the last book, was he? I don't think he was. Yeah. It took me eight chapters to finally put that down. I don't think he was that stupid. Like, he wasn't exactly the smartest character, but he actually at least wasn't fucking stupid. Like, he wasn't this. Yeah. While eating his food, Harold noticed the message at the bottom of his food bowl is smudged. But it turns out to be a warning that says, Help Hal's out now. But it turns out that it turns out to be a warning that says help house out now. Chapter 9. And then there were three. That night, Harold can't sleep. The message and the dachshunds howling are keeping him up. Suddenly, in a flash of lightning, he sees that they're out of their cage. Harold wonders if the message was a warning to help them or is a warning about them. Harold lets himself out to investigate, but is stopped by Taxi, who tells Harold that he's, that he's seen everyone leave except for himself, Harold, and Lyle. Uh, the picture in this chapter is of Taxi standing on Harold, and Taxi looks like the dog from the McDonald's cartoon from the 2000s. Oh my god, he does. Just in that picture, though. Yeah, but in that one he does. Yeah. Oh my god. Harold isn't sure of what to make of the situation. He's not sure if he wants a Happy Meal or not. <laughs> uh, Harold tries to get some shut-eye, and has a weird dream where he's the only one left in the bungalows, and is crying... They're gone. They're gone. To no one. Then he hears a rum, a terrible noise, and then feels, and then Chester's voice, and feels the kicks of Chester. And Harold awakens to find Chester is kicking him awake and is alive. Chapter ten: Mystery, Mayhem, 
and mud. Without explaining anything, Chester recruits everyone who is still left in the bungalows and tells them not to let Harrison see them. Chester says to wait for a cue, and they and they hear low murmurs from the other end of the compound where the shed is. Harrison goes in that direction and reels behind a plank that the Duxons have had puppies. Okay, they're weird twin couple, not twins. <laughs> they're that couple that like are with, that wear like must finish each help. other's. Sandwiches. <laughs> Chester tells the group to defend the dachshunds from Harrison. The cats in taxi attack Harrison while Harold barks his head off. Then, from the driveway, a car pulls up, and it's Dr. Greenbrier and Jill, along with the rest of the missing dogs. They say the jig is up for him as they found the dogs at his house. Chapter 11. In the days that followed. In the days that came, the weather turned to sunny and hot with not a cloud in sight. Chester tells the story of what truly happened at the Chateau Bow Wow. On the night of Chester's disappearance, he had realized too late that the food was poisoned to make them sleep. Chester had passed out after eating, and when he woke up, he was in a cage. Eventually, he found out he was in Dr. Breyer's office and then moved to the basement examination area, where he was then left, uh, sorry, then led out of the cage to be examined by Harrison. Harrison questions whether he's the special pet he's looking for, and to Cyprus that he is not, and feels bad that he faked Chester's death because now he has to stay in the basement. Along with uh, Dr. Brewer. A callback. Stay in the basement! Uh, Chester uses his best cat moves on Harrison and gets him to admit that he's trying to find the valuable pet, and he's going to ransom them to make some quick cash. That night, he goes through the files once more and finds that Heather the Dachshund is pregnant, and then gets, to, gets a call from Jill, and she tells him what he knows and that they're very valuable. Dollar signs appear in his eyes and he runs upstairs to steal some wieners. Chester escapes during this time and the events from the last chapter happen. Chapter 12. Howie! The family returns to collect Harold and Chester. Their vacation story is one for the sitcoms. We hear Harrison's sentence. We hear Harrison's sentence. It's to attend college for a year and to pay for college he has to work at the zoo. Okay, one fucking minute here. That's a fucking dream for me. I would love to work at the zoo to pay for my college education. Man, fuck this book. That shit sounds amazing. Also, that's a better idea than jail, honestly. Very forward thinking of this judge. Yeah, like, on one hand, that's cool of the judge. On the other hand, I'm like, god damn. Yeah. Like, even well, if I was cleaning up shit, I don't fucking care. Still got to hang out with cool animals. Yeah. It's the fucking zoo. Yeah. Like, the boys then show that they're getting to adopt one of the puppies. The run of the litter which they named Howie after the father. The puppy lets out a tiny, and Chester faints in hilarious fashion. Uh, the picture on this page is great. The dachshund puppy looks like a tiny badger, and Chester <laughs> is giving the most what-the-fuck face. And uh, we're going to go ahead and read the epilogue of this one on page 194. That's nice. 194, hon. So, Chateau Bowau was an adventure, and I suppose in some ways Mr. Monroe was right. Adventure is good for the soul, but what I like best about adventures is that they come to an end. It's fall now, and I'm glad to be home. Fall means long walks in the woods with Mr. Monroe and Pete, late nights of snacks of roasted chestnuts and pumpkin pies with Toby, and rolling in the leaves with Howie. Oh yes, Howie is living with us now, and since it's his first fall, there's a lot I have to teach him. Of course, Chester is sharing in his education. 
Right now, he's teaching him how to meditate. Even as I write, I can hear them in the living room. Oh. Oh. No, you dumb dog. Oh. Oh. Not ooh, you numbskull. Oh. Oh. Can't you hear the difference? Don't you want to learn? Meditation is good for you. It'll make you mellow, keep you cool, like me. Don't you want to be like your Uncle Chester? Howie, Howie, come back here. Where are you going? Get down from there. No, no, not the Harold. Excuse me, I think I'm needed in the living room. Harold, get in here. I'm not a nursemaid. In a minute, Chester. He's, he's going into the geranium. He's, he's, he's what, Chester? He's eating the geranium. Come in, Chester. Well, I've got to go. It was quite an adventure when all is said and done, but there's no place like... Oh... But um Also, the geranium's a callback from when he was reading all the pet files. Yeah. Because Harold ate... Ate geranium. Uh, ate geraniums. Ate the geraniums. All right, so... Um, uh, additional note time. Do you have any additional notes? So one is... I forgot about the dog napping. Like, yeah. That, that was the plot. What? That that's what like what happened basically. What? When I was a kid, like that's what I f- I forgot about that being okay. that big tie-in. Also, I had a thing about um. Oh, the dog tie-in. Yeah. That's not what she said. You said dog napping. Like the dog napping, like that being. Oh, the dog main... napping. Got it. As yeah. in dog kidnapping. Yes. Dogs being kidnapped. Don't say yeah. dog nap. Also, what is this fucking gorilla Deville? So I put Harrison's one of those stoners that's come up with a brilliant quote unquote brilliant plan when he's stoned. Yeah. But he'll forget it when he's sober. <laughs> I put that in, like, chapter two, like, when he's like, oh, I'm going to make a million dollars and retire at 21, and Jill's like, how are you going to do that? And he's like, I don't know. Because that's what it seemed like. You ain't wrong. Uh, I only have two notes, honestly, that I didn't say. Harold keeps mentioning the Waldorf Asteria. I figured it was a fancy hotel, and I was correct. And my other note was, the writer James Howe is gay. That's pretty cool. Also, while doing some research, I found research. I found out his wife, who had written Benicula with him, had passed away before it was published. Fucking sad. She died of amyloblastoma, which is a type of uh, like jaw cancer. Yeah, I was gonna say I knew it was cancer because sto. Yeah, stoma. Stoma usually is a cancer of some sort. Uh, go ahead and finish up your notes. So I'm just seeing what else I've I put. I already did that. Please stop fucking feeding the dog chocolate. Cause goddamn, like. Yeah. Also, the bulldog, ch- like, choosing to jog is funny to me. Yeah, that is pretty cute. Because... I mean, they, uh, whenever I think of, like, bulldog... Like, this is, this book was written, like, 84 or 83. Like, that kind of idea of a bulldog being the mascot to teams was kind of a popular idea. And, you know, them looking like the sporting type. Even though nowadays they're just, like... Well, even, like... I know in the 90s they were still, like, yeah. lazy fucking dogs. Like, yeah. I love them, but they are not... They're not sporting breeds. They're not running dogs. They are. No. I mean, it was a jog, Sam. Jog is not running. But it was enough to get, like, Harold. Harold's out of shape. From all the fucking chocolate. Yeah. Okay, anything else? No, that's it. Okay. Those are the main ones. Uh, so, review time? Or recommendations? Do we have any recommendations? Um. Read some Agatha Christie. Yeah. This is legit just Agatha, Agatha Christie, like, fan fiction, but with animals. Yeah. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, even he admits at the end, the writer is like, I read it here. Here's what it says at the end. Of the over of the over 70 books I've written for young readers, Holiday Inn was one of the hardest for me. I had written Benicula with my late wife, Debbie. 
Now I was on my own, trying to write a sequel, something I'd never attempted before. Benicula had been published and had quickly become very popular. Yeah, 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 da, 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 da. I took a week off from writing and did nothing but read mysteries by one of the greatest mystery writers of all time, Agatha Christie. I mean, she does write a good mystery. Like she does. Pick up one of the like what's it called? Like big volumes from Barnes and Noble, or you can probably pick up like public domain shit too. Yeah. Positive all her stuff's public domain. I don't know, because I just don't know when it was written and. Copyright laws are bitchy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's public domain. Any other recommendations before you get into reviews? I'd say if, if like you're a kid reading this one while you're listening to this fucking podcast. Yeah, why are don't, you doing this? Don't do that. Yeah, why are you don't doing don't that? listen to this. No, listen to it. Listen to it, kids. Say fuck to your parents. Tell go up to their face and say fucking dog wiener. <laughs> what the hell? Go up to their parents and say red rocket. Don't. Do it. Don't. Be cool. This is how you'll get your phone taken away. Be cool about fire safety in um, your pants. I guess if you have a kid and they what like... What the fuck does it kind of do with anything, Chris? Why do you say that? I don't know. I'm, You're... I'm drunk. That's why. Sorry. Go ahead. If your kid likes reading this... Yeah. Like, the spinoffs are fun. Like, yeah. they're short little, like, Howie doing... It's kind of pulp novel kind of stuff. Because okay. one of them's like going into a mummy's tomb. Oh, that's cool. Shit like that. I may have to do one of those later on. I would love to do it because I don't remember them at all. Yeah. It's been... I'd like to read some some more spinoffs, honestly. Like, I'm not going to lie, this was not as good as Benicula one. I'll be honest, I really like Benicula a lot more than this one. But this was still fun to read. Yeah. Like, this is quite the mystery compared to the mystery of Benicula. I'm a little sad that Benicula isn't in this book, but at the same time relieved because what would he fucking do, like I said earlier? Again, just sits there and drinking. Yeah. Draining vegetables. Uh, the cast of characters are diverse and eccentric as any Agatha Christie book. I almost wish we got the got to know the cast a bit more because of how intriguing they all are. Like, this is a cast of weirdos that are great. I want to know more about the Southern Belle because that's the thing with... Uh, yeah, Georgette. Georgette and then... Yeah. I think it went on for too long, though, honestly. Like, of, of boring stuff. You know, too much, yeah. like, dumb Harold. There was too much dumb Harold in this book. Like, that, I feel like 10 to 20 pages could have been cut from this. And, oh my god, cut Lyle out. Lyle was fucking useless. He was Lyle was dec- bad fucking comic relief. Well, I think he was a red herring at first, because again, like, the, I don't... Everyone's a fucking red herring. Yeah. Everyone's a fucking red herring in this book. Name a character who wasn't a red herring. I literally listed out a cat of everyone being like, this is who might be why, who the birder is and why. Yeah. Literally, everyone's a red herring. Lyle could be cut. He's fucking pointless. He's just there to be an eccentric weirdo. Like, overly eccentric and overly just pointless. Yeah, true. Fair enough. He, he's my least favorite of the crew. Yeah, he's... Of, of all the characters in the Yeah, book. I feel like you could probably cut him out pretty easily and not, yeah. and not really suffer the story. But yeah. I still think this was a really fun read, though. Overall, Holiday Inn is a fun little mystery, but I think I prefer Benicula to this one. Four weird dog puppies going, out of five. Honestly, same. Yeah? Four out of five? Yeah. Because, again, I read it as a kid and I really liked it. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I was going to say, it's definitely weaker than Benicula. No. Definitely. I mean, Benicula was tight. Like, that was something I liked about Benicula. It was tight. Chester and Harold were a good duo in that and weren't dumbed down like they had their flaws yes but they weren't like fucking chester wasn't overly paranoid and and overly well no i think chester was well written in this book i think harold yeah. was the only big problem like besides of the main of cast. the main of the main two yeah because uh i mean it's a fun book it's a fun book you know what i thought of in a weird thing huh. like just right now because like 
when we first met Benicula, he's a tiny baby bunny. Yeah. So he's probably grown by now. Yeah. What if he was one of those huge fucking rabbits? <laughs> like. No. Ginormous. Why? Why? I don't know. He's not being fed that much. He's, he's living off of a veggie diet. So are other rabbits. They're so <laughs> She almost admitted it. She, I was going to get her on that one. Say, she just, almost said it. But I didn't. Yeah, but she almost did. I Because I'm drunk. No, no. That's her excuse. That's always her excuse. What about you, Mr. Talk I'm an alcoholic. I would murder you for a drink of scotch any day. Come on over here so I can murder you. <laughs> Sorry, that just made me think of this. Let me choke you, bitch. I was thinking about the this truck found his... Like, is obsessed with his GF ten times his size, so they had a little, like, yeah. motorized truck, and then it falls over. Because <laughs> it's about that one bunny and that... Yeah, the bunny... The giant bunny and the little... Ba- the boyfriend bunny. Yeah, that's so tiny. Yeah. And he loves her. Yep. And it's adorable, and yeah. I love it. But yeah, I mean, it was a fun book. I'm not gonna lie. I yeah. I do want to keep reading the Benicula series before we try even a Howie one. That's fair. Like, I want to at least read the Celery Stalks at Midnight before going on to uh, Howie. Yeah. There is a return to Holiday Inn, and I'm kind of curious what they will do in that next one. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, fuck. I hope none of them are as long as this one, because, like, in all honesty, this one was a little too long. Like, I legit think it was a bit too long for its own good. Yeah. It was still fun, though. Yeah, and it had some good pros. Like, it wasn't, it didn't feel like, it didn't have the goosebumps problem of the, like, I feel like you're just... At least they're not describing fucking people's fucking outfits. Yeah. Jill was wearing a tiny skirt with, with red With neon buttons. spandex. Yeah. yeah, shit like that. Nah. But, yeah, I mean, it was still enjoyable, but I can definitely, there's a lot of things to complain about. Like, yeah. not a ton, but a few things to complain yeah, about. Yeah, it's far from perfect, but it was fun. Yeah. Uh, next month for Drunken Book Club, I haven't revealed it. I revealed this on the last episode of uh, But I Digress for our podcast listeners out there, or our podcast, our Patreon listeners at patreon.com slash speaking of which. Be like Trey at your Dinosaurus and pay a dollar a month and get bonus content like this. Next month's Drunken Book Club is going to be a poll or it's going to automatically be this book. I don't know yet. But I want to do a Judy Bloom month. Ooh. Yeah, and we're going to choose between her young adult books, not her kid books. No soup. There's no fudge in this. No super fudge or anything like that. No. Fuck fudge. No. We're going to try we're going to choose between three books. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. The boy version of that and Forever. I love Forever, by the way. What is Forever about? It's about a girl losing her virginity. Hmm. Yep. There's a lot of sex. No, it's not that much sex. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, it's fucking depressing. I read it in high school, and it was so depressing. I remember the Sisterhood of Traveling Pants. I forgot that. I thought Judy Bloom. No, I'm just thinking of like th- talking about like sex, but they don't really talk about sex. Yeah, I don't. know. Oh, if... fucking forever goes into it. Oh wow! Like, she, like I mean, it's Judy Bloom. She's not afraid of that shit. I just, it's just Judy kind of... Bloom fucking pulls up out of the fucking ring. It's like bring it on, bitches, and fucking elbow slams Arl Stein's fucking dick in. And Kay Applegate's fucking tits out. Fucking smacks them. Kay Applegate's cool, though. Yeah, but she smacks her tits around because she ain't tough enough. Fuck, Chris. She fucking ain't tough enough to talk about sex. But... So much sex in fucking Judy Bloom. Or at least in... Fucking, she tries... The fucking boyfriend tries to get... Like, explains his cock to her and, like, is like how you should play with it in forever. Wow. Yeah. That's a... This is why it was very highly... It's one of the, like, top-rated, like, top books of the question by librarians or whatever one. Um, I've actually heard interesting things, like, with librarians. Like, 
my favorite argument with some of them is more age-appropriate versus, like... Yeah, because Forever was definitely well-read in high school. Like, if I had read that... Because that one's more for the high school-age ones. Yeah. Are You There, God? And the boy version of that are, like, good middle school ones. Yeah. So. Like, it might not be appropriate for a middle school library, but either in a public space or in high school, like... Yeah. Most librarians are, like, very anti-censorship because... They're fucking librarians. They want you to read shit. Yeah, boy! Alright, thank you for joining us this week on Drunken Book Club, or this month on Drunken Book Club, in all honesty, or just this week on Speaking of Which. If you enjoyed what you heard, hey, rate, review us, like, subscribe, all those things help us in the long run, especially rating and reviewing. If you're listening to us on Apple, leave a review. If you're listening to us on Spotify, leave a rating. Five stars means a lot. Don't don't be a chinser, unless you really do hate us and give us a four star. Don't, don't be one of those guys. Don't be one of those guys who leaves a one star because you're just like, man, they didn't talk about Benicula enough. Fuck you. Have a good time. This isn't fucking... This is Drunken Book Club, not fucking Benicula cast. Hello, welcome to Benicula cast, uh, where we talk about Benicula's big old wang. Uh, I'm your host, Christopher Rupel. Make sure to follow us at speaking of what, SOW underscore podcast on Twitter. Make sure to follow the website, speakingofwitch.org. You can get a little notification when new episodes are up by going on there. But you can also do that on, like, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music. Not Apple Music. Apple Podcasts, technically, not iTunes. Amazon Music, Google Music, all those places where they have podcasts, pretty much. And make sure to be like our... Hey, be like our Patreon patron tray at your Dinosaurus. Pay a dollar! Tell us what to read! Tell us what to do for Rubles Rupees or Kai... Not Kaijun. Quizzer! Anything like that. One dollar means a lot. And it's just a month... It's a monthly dollar. Like, I don't, I don't see a problem with that. Yeah, it's not like we're giving... I'd buy that for a dollar! To quote Rob, Robert Cop. Robert Cop. I love that movie. Let's go watch Robert Cop. No, I'm gonna go to bed. Where he shoots a tit instead of dick. Uh, and hey, SOW underscore podcast on Twitter. Sam? You can find me at Berserker Rose on Twitter. So, um. Sorry, I was just thinking about the Robocop edit where it's just shooting just a bunch of guys. Shooting in the a dick. bunch of dicks, yeah. Not really edit, it's, a, it's their own remake version. Yeah, where it's just so many dicks. So, what song should we go off on? Um. Something about Howl, howl a Day. Howling at the Moon. Shout out! No. On holiday. Okay, we'll do a Green Day song. We haven't done a Green Day song that isn't depressing, sad one. I mean, I mean holiday is depressing. I was gonna say, if, you, if you listen to the lyrics, it is. No one listens to the lyrics. Not on holiday, at least. Exactly. Except for the. Uh, that was the first bit. song I heard of Green Day, and it was one of those ones I was like, you know what? Or, like, knew it wasn't. Like, it was one of those songs I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then I was like, oh, is it Green Day? It's still good. So. That wasn't the. Are you talking about a uh, good riddance? You are talking about good riddance. Yeah, you're talking about good riddance. That was my that was my cover. Um, I hate so that song. I actually heard like one of our radio personalities in the in in the city yeah. talk about. American Idiot, because I think it just hit its 20 year or is going to, like, ne- yeah, this year or next to, year. Yeah. And he was saying it's one of the best mastered, like, albums he's heard in a long time. Hmm. Or, like, from a very specific... Per- I can't remember. Was this Frank? Ones. No, uh, Lou Brutus. I don't know who that is. That's the guy on Late Night. 
um, KFMA. Okay. And he's like, and I, I've got to say it is very well. Like, On holiday! Holiday!